what an imbalance looks like is, for example, genetically, we will all produce estrogen at different levels, but also genetically, we will metabolize and rid ourselves of that estrogen differently. So your estrogen levels can be low, but you can still be dominant in estrogen or have a, a risk of high levels of estrogen that are driving female cancers, for example, because we're not detoxifying estrogen effectively. So it's not just about looking at a set figure and going, ah, one's low, one's high. It's really about understanding the importance of our detoxification system, the function of our liver, our gut microbiome and our bowel movements in removing estrogen. Pauline Cox is a functional nutritionist and she believes that food isn't just fuel, but food that talks to our hormones. This is the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all to have a better second half. I'm Liz Earle, and as I'm sure you know, I'm on a bit of a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. So today then, the relationship between the food we eat and our hormones. Have you ever considered the connection I wonder. Well, I've learned over the years that eating a diet much higher in protein and lower in sugars has dramatically changed not only the shape and the tone of my body, but also my mood and actually the way I feel. Well, Pauline Cox has extensive knowledge of human science and alternative medicine. After a Bachelor of Science in Anatomical Science, she went on to study physiotherapy. She also has master's level training in public health and in integrative medicine. I actually have her first book, Primal Living in a Modern World, which I gave to my younger daughter, Brella, as a great starting point when she first went to uni, as I found it very well balanced in what she was saying what to eat to live well for younger women in particular. Well, now she's written Hungry Woman, a deep dive into female hormones and how they touch everything from anxiety and adrenal fatigue to tummy fat and menopausal symptoms. So while diet can't replace lost hormones in later life, eating healthily will certainly help support the endocrine system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Pauline, such a warm welcome. I'm really thrilled actually that you're with us today. And I'd like to start with, how did you become accidentally unwell? You know, what did you personally learn about how your hormones were making you feel so physically and mentally drained? Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us find that we... We normalize symptoms that ordinarily are not normal. You know, I was eating mm. what I thought was fairly healthy. I was eating a lot of dates, rye bread, uh, <laughs> okay. wholemeal so carbs. So that made me smile. The <laughs> <laughs> lot of sugar. <laughs> oh, I was surviving on sugar. I mean, I was so busy at the time running my mm. own clinic and... I just found myself struggling to find the energy and frankly, the motivation. And I felt like a little bit, a little bit of a fraud because I was, I was a health professional and behind the scenes, I just felt so unhealthy myself. You know, there were the telltale signs, very heavy periods, um, insomnia. I was 
very anemic, chronically anemic, and just couldn't seem to get my iron levels up. And so I had normalized a lot. I'd seen my own mother go through a lot of hormonal issues throughout her 20s and 30s and just figured that's what that's what happens to us women. We accept heavy periods as part of being a woman. We accept the breast tenderness, the migraines, the exhaustion, and then very quickly realized as I deep dived into the subject of food for food as medicine and, and really started to get to grips with nutrition that, wow, I had definitely put my ladder up against the wrong wall and I was <laughs> I was heading up. I was progressively getting sicker and not realizing it. It's very interesting, isn't it, in that whole kind of healthcare gender inequality of, of women just being told to suck it up because that's just part of who we are and, and what we can expect and how we can expect our bodies to react to things. And, you know, for you as a healthcare, as you say, professional to even go through that yourself. And I, I mean, I hear this time and time again, actually, from other medics that I interview here. Uh, you know, I remember talking to Dr. Louise Newson, who is probably, you know, one of the foremost menopause specialists, and she didn't recognize her own menopause. You know, it actually took her daughter to call it out, who, who recognized it. And I think sometimes we're so caught up, aren't we, that we don't actually realize what's going on and the changes that are happening to us and, and actually how we should be responding to them. Yeah. And I, I also think we see it as a bit of an inconvenience. You know, we're so busy and we there's a tendency to feel frustrated with yourself or start to feel I certainly felt frustrated with myself. I was I thought, oh, gosh, here we go again. My, mm -hmm. I have PMS. I have bloating. My skin's not, not looking so great. And just feeling quite down on myself. I'm trying my best was the narrative I used to keep saying to myself. And actually, it's it was just my body telling me you're you're not quite getting it right. But it was only when I really started to understand my hormones and understand how I worked with my body that I I guess I let go of that frustration and started making friends with myself and really started to enjoy enjoy being a woman, enjoy the I love ups that. that well, yeah. I mean, I think as women we we really expect to feel the same throughout the month we expect to be able to do everything at any time for everyone and actually <laughs> mm. when we start to give ourselves a break and understand that these are incredibly powerful compounds within our body and they will drive certain behaviors and they will absolutely let us know if we're not quite getting it right particularly the balance of things in life I think that's very empowering, actually. So I guess the first thing to understand is probably how hormones affect our health. Can you talk through some of their day-to-day -day functions, what's going on inside our bodies? Yeah, I think, well, for me, the kind of aha moment was really understanding the importance of progesterone and estrogen and the relationship that they have with one another. And so really from the get-go, from our teenage years, right through until the end of our lives, understanding this beautiful dance that progesterone and estrogen have throughout uh, premenopausal years and then beyond, how, how this influences not just our mood, but also our mental well-being and our risk of chronic illness. So going back to that very important relationship that these two hormones have, Estrogen is very important for thickening the endometrial lining. It's a growth hormone. It drives fat to be laid down on our hips and our breasts during the puberty. It's a very, very important hormone for our brain and it has neuroprotective roles, cardioprotective roles. So it also helps the brain access fuel. It helps insulin to shunt blood sugars from the bloodstream into the neurons and so this is why when we start to lose estrogen at our sort of latter stages of perimenopause if we're not metabolically fit particularly in our brain we can very much start to feel that lack of fuel in the brain memory issues brain fog increased anxiety prolonged hunger and if we aren't able to flex and recalibrate that brain situation that puts us at greater risk of neurodegenerative changes and Alzheimer's. And so we have this situation with estrogen being a very domineering hormone and progesterone balances out estrogen. It has a, it, it 
initially, oh, sorry, initially, but in terms of our reproductive health, it helps hold in the endometrial lining and it also helps to thin the endometrial lining. So when we lose progesterone, we can get very heavy, clotty periods. We can get flooding periods because the progesterone isn't able to hold the lining in. And progesterone also has a very calming influence on the nervous system and on the brain. Mm. I suspect we're going to use the phrase hormonal imbalance quite a lot in this chat. What does imbalance actually mean in this context? You know, will each individual's baseline normal look different? Yes, it's not really about a numbers game because our hormones are going to fluctuate wildly from person to person. But what that what an imbalance looks like is, for example, genetically, we will all produce estrogen at different levels, but also genetically, we will metabolize and rid ourselves of that estrogen differently. So your estrogen levels can be low, but you can still be dominant in estrogen or have a a risk of high levels of estrogen that are driving female cancers, for example, because we're not detoxifying estrogen effectively. So it's not just about looking at a set figure and going, ah, one's low, one's high. It's really about understanding the importance of our detoxification system, the function of our liver, our gut microbiome and our bowel movements in removing estrogen. It's looking at how progesterone becomes robbed when we're highly stressed or when we're inflamed and how just by changing some of our lifestyle habits, by reducing inflammation, by reducing stress, improving sleep, we can support progesterone synthesis and we can improve our estrogen detoxification, bringing back the body's more balanced state where we're not experiencing potentially heavy clotty periods or PMS type symptoms, or even when we get to the menopausal age, We're reducing our risk of breast cancers and female cancers that are driven by oestrogen. So what you're saying then really is is it's that balancing of that relationship that we want between those two main sex hormones, the oestrogen and the progesterone. It's how do we achieve that balance rather than how do we hit a baseline number? Exactly. How do we achieve balance in supporting the body in doing what it's supposed to do and what it wants to do as we enter menopause and we we lose progesterone how do we still effectively clear estrogen and mm-hmm. ensure that our breast tissue and our um, our female organs are not being subject to estrogen that that is being reabsorbed and we are clearing estrogen effectively at all ages Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're called sex hormones for a reason, but it, you know, it's not just fertility, is it, that they're affecting? And you think about the estrogen receptors that we have all over our bodies. You know, we need estrogen because we need estrogen receptors. We need them in for our bones for osteoporosis. We've, you know, look at the recent research on brain health and Alzheimer's and the protective element of those estrogen receptors on brain cells. So it's not necessary to say that estrogen is the baddie here. It's just getting the balance right. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Estrogen is not the baddie. It's it's a Goldilocks hormone. We don't want too little. We don't want too much. We want just the right amount <laughs> like that. That, yeah, that yeah. the body wants. And, you know, it, it's it's incredibly beneficial in so many ways. Estrogen can make us feel fantastic. It's a very mm. energizing, um, motivating hormone. But at too high a level, we've all experienced, I'm sure, that anxiety, the irritability, the dominant effect that estrogen can have on us when it's just at a very high level. So our brain has a huge density of estrogen receptors. And as you pointed out, so do our bones. It's a very protective hormone. However, it's about getting that balance right. And the body's intrinsically Mm -hmm. clever at having systems that will balance it out. But we need to understand how we influence those systems by the lifestyle we're living and the diet that we're eating. Mm. And then, of course, there's another one, isn't there, to throw into the mix, testosterone. What do we need to understand about testosterone as particularly we get into perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, I love testosterone. It's such a great hormone for Same, um, yeah, <laughs> making us feel alive, motivated. It drives our sex drive. It's very important for muscle building. And we get a spike of testosterone just before ovulation. And we do tend to lose testosterone in our late 20s into our 30s. And Gosh, that early. It really, I know it's surprising, isn't it? So we, we want to maintain that testosterone. However, 
we can. We can influence testosterone through diet, high protein, intermittent fasting is a great way of boosting testosterone. Resistance training also boosts testosterone. So there are ways of helping the body to maintain levels of testosterone. And it always works in this beautiful picture. You know, sex drive is hugely influenced by, by testosterone, but so too is energy and how we feel about our own body. And dopamine also has a big influence on our confidence and our motivation. So this the body is such a complex um, structure that it, there's always these different overlays of different hormones playing their role. But testosterone is a it's a really powerful confidence building hormone. And for sure, I think as women lose that testosterone burst, we can start to lose our confidence. But I actually feel strongly that that tends to happen as we lose progesterone and estrogen also. And it's more about rediscovering that that zest and that passion and that purpose and not necessarily feeling like my best is behind me, but oh my seeing, gosh, no. yeah, well, I, unfortunately yeah. I work with a great deal of women who, who come to me feeling like that. And mm-hmm. it can be so challenging to, to feel motivated and to feel excited when we have, um, this sense of this Doom. sense of the best is, be- the best is behind <laughs> me. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't help with the narrative that we, we all yeah. read in the media and yeah. on, on TV. So it's, it's really about creating that that yeah. sense of energy and purpose again. Well, I mean, we're talking the same language and, and you know, our mission statement at Lizard Wellbeing is very much a better second half. And it's, you know, it is a time to thrive, not just to survive. And there's so much that we can do and that, you know, it's, it is so challenging, as we know, on so many levels for so many different reasons. And in fact, if we can, you know, harness our hormones and get them to work alongside us in a positive way, then so much the better. How then do we begin identifying hormonal imbalances? You know, I'm thinking particularly here about women in midlife. And why do we even have those hormonal imbalances? Well, the imbalances come from a number of different variables. We we know that inflammation plays a big role. The truth is we we live in a world that doesn't make it that easy for our hormones to remain balanced. We we're on a very busy schedule. Women multitask. They balance work with home life, with building a career. Um, we are bombarded with endocrine disruptors in our food and in our environment, in our skincare products and personal hygiene products. So it's it's really about looking at the what I call the low-hanging fruit first. So let's balance mm-hmm. the blood sugars, reduce inflammation, reduce stress and optimize sleep. Then you can start looking a little deeper into what else is in, what else is in influencing my hormones, such as what I'm putting on my skin and what I'm breathing in my environment. Am I getting enough daylight? How's my circadian rhythm? These yes. other <laughs> factors that you start to become more intrigued about as you as you find yourself with more energy, and I, as I said, I, I really encourage women to get those those initial pillars right first. Stress is huge. This is a big disruptor of our hormones. So managing stress and soothing a stressed nervous system is a really important pillar to start with, as well as sleep. And then starting to look at some of the easy wins with food, creating an eating window, really looking at what foods are driving your blood sugars up, balancing blood sugars, and absolutely getting the nutrient dense foods in. We are chronically deficient in many nutrients. And that, again, is a major issue for so many people that drive symptoms that they then seek medical help for when actually, if we looked at some of the deficiencies like magnesium, it can yes. be a game changer for sleep, for anxiety, for blood sugars, for thyroid function, for vitamin D function. Uh, All of these yeah. very important um, reactions in the body that require magnesium. Once mm-hmm. we get sufficient levels of these key nutrients, even that can make people feel so much better and oh, the change um, can be create phenomenal. more balance. Yeah, so simple. And in fact, I have to thank you uh, because it was on your website um, a few years ago, I think, I discovered Terra Nova Mag, the, the magnesium supplement at night. And, you know, I'm never without a pot of that now. In fact, I'm sitting here in my studios. I've got two pots in my kitchen I, I, and I give it to my kids. And 
you know, some people will say to me, I don't understand why you're always pushing magnesium. Why do we have to have it? But when you think how much has been depleted from the soil, how much the body needs, how much our requirements go up as we age, how we're absorbing less, and something as simple as that can have such a profound difference. And it's instant. That's the key thing. I was with a friend in Italy, literally, just a few weeks ago, and she was complaining that she wasn't sleeping. And I had some magnesium glycinate um, capsules, and I just gave her a few from my pot. And I saw her the next day, I said, how did you sleep? And she said, oh my gosh, I had the best night's sleep I've had in literally months. Yeah. It's, it's so it's simple, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. You just have to pass that knowledge on. And and then, as you say, you, you become incrementally better equipped to make those further changes. You know, you become empowered. You want to get up early. You want to go and look at the daylight. You want to go and stand barefoot on the grass and, yeah. you know, take it, well, some it, deep breaths. It's an upward spiral and the converse is true. When when yeah. our um, blood sugars are really high, this depletes us of magnesium. When we're inflamed, it depletes us of, a mag- of magnesium. Alcohol depletes us of magnesium and some really? poor... And, and, yeah, and... Mag- um, Medication. There are some key medications that also deplete us of magnesium. And one of the biggest risk factors for subclinical magnesium deficiency is, is age. So we just absorb less as we get older. And so for us ladies, understanding that magnesium can have such a profound effect. But as you say, getting the right compound. Magnesium oxide is really poorly absorbed by the body. Magnesium biglycinate or magnesium glycinate is a great compound particularly if it's paired with B6, as with the Terranova compound. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and L-theanine, um, do, you, do you take that with it? I love L-theanine. I take L-theanine <laughs> with lemon balm, um, either throughout the day, if I'm feeling like I need to just soothe my nervous system. Um, I take it at mm. night religiously because it just, it increases something called GABA, which is our calming neurotransmitter. And GABA will just help that well, as I say in my book, it, it helps you quit the jibber jabber. So it just stops the brain from go, 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 go. Yeah. You know, you're doing those mental lists for what you need to do the, the next day. Brain. Yeah. Oh, the monkey brain. So, you know, I love just finding these very simple ways of working with the body and helping women to understand as we get to our 40s and our progesterone levels are becoming lower magnesium and b6 is going to boost your progesterone it's also going to boost your serotonin serotonin converts to melatonin so you're going to have a better night's sleep magnesium will help soothe you into a good night's sleep and if you're getting a a really bioavailable form like magnesium glycinate the glycine within that compound will also help build collagen it helps to build your master antioxidant glutathione and it also reduces your core body temperature just before you go to bed so there are all these reasons that you know this beautiful compound soothes us into a good night's sleep and helps us get into REM as well which again Mm -hmm. when we're magnesium deficient we just don't get that REM sleep. Mm. Before we move off the topic of sleep, what about 5-HTP? Because that's something that I found recently hugely helpful. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, I think for some people, it's there are other ways of improving serotonin levels. It, I, I don't take it personally, but I think if you're at a point where you need that extra support, I, my my go-to is always magnesium and getting morning daylight. Daylight in the morning is fantastic for serotonin levels. And then you're getting that additional conversion to melatonin at night. I think if someone really needs the extra support, then it can be fantastic. Um, I work with a number of nootropics to help people who are particularly low in serotonin. And I love Brahmi leaf. I love some of the adaptogens. Oh, Brahmi leaf is is wonderful. And particularly if you're using, um, Living Nutrition is a brand that do some fermented nootropics that are just so effective at helping to naturally raise your um, serotonin pathways. So I, I think there are some great compounds out there and it very much depends on the individual and their lifestyle habits and dietary habits and you know, also looking at what is depleting my serotonin. Am I getting enough amino acids? Because a lot of people don't get enough protein. Am I getting enough B vitamins? Am I getting enough vitamin D? Am I getting enough daylight and movement? Even estrogen levels will affect your serotonin. So it's it's kind of looking at it as a big picture and then um, picking, as I said before, the low hanging fruit, getting outdoors mm-hmm. more, getting your amino acids in in the morning and seeing how that affects you 
from a mood perspective and a sleep perspective. Mm. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because it, it, it can be so complex. And when you look at the kind of the broad picture, it's easy to become kind of bamboozled by it all. But bottom line is so many of these things, these strategies that are so incredibly helpful are actually very simple. I love the fact that you talk about early morning daylight. That is something that's accessible to pretty much everybody and it's free. You know, so it, it doesn't really take much. It's about that knowledge. And I'm, I'm sure you're, you're kind of plugging into the quantum energy healing movement and everything that they're talking about, because it absolutely starts with that. You know, it starts with that circadian rhythm and that early morning daylight. I have to say, absolutely. I do find in the summer dawn quite a struggle because what is it at the moment, like 4.35 or something in the morning? It's pretty early. <laughs> Yes. And I think that working with light, as you say, I wear a sleep mask every night and then I wake up, I do a a black silk sleep mask. I I just find that incredibly helpful. Our, Our eyelids are actually very thin. And even though we might not feel like light is coming in, like can get in and actually with children there's some very interesting research that have that's shown if children don't have really dark rooms it can impact their neurological development so having a dark room is important for all ages actually okay i need to get my youngest son to listen to that statement because he's really bad at that and and i think actually a lot of smaller children too they're yes. afraid of the dark they are you they know, like they, the they, night they, lights they, the yeah. night light and that's what they're sold you know they need to sleep with the curtains open or the light on or the night light beside their bed and that's hugely disruptive but that uh, that's interesting i hadn't actually heard that statistic before well don't go anywhere we're going to take a short pause but we will be back to talk more about hormones of course and specifically about body fat storage that's a real big one too Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. help 
Well, let's crack on on the hormone path. And in particular, let's turn our attention perhaps to the body fat issue and why weight loss can be such a struggle when the metabolic and the sex hormones are imbalanced. You know, what's that specific relationship between estrogen and metabolic health? Yes, it's a, oh, I, I mean, I feel for us ladies because it's such a... It can come from nowhere. One minute you're you're getting into your skinny jeans and you're managing to eat muffins and lattes every day. And then the next minute you're like, what happened? Where did this come from? And it, it generally does happen like that. We don't change a great deal. We don't change our diet or even our exercise routine. And yet we start to find this stubborn fat laying down around the belly and the middle. And it can be really puzzling for a lot of women, but we start to get these shifts in our hormones, metabolic and sex hormones from our 30s onwards. So we start to see an increase in insulin, an increase in our hunger hormones, and we start to see a decrease in progesterone, growth hormone and testosterone. And this increase and decrease at the same time can result, not always, but it can result in a shift in our weight and an increased propensity to gain weight. Our brain is exceptionally hungry. It will gobble up glucose regularly and our muscles are the same. We use an awful lot of glucose with our muscles on a daily basis. So when we start losing muscle, lean muscle mass, our blood sugars can start to creep up. When you pair that picture with a loss of magnesium that often we're subclinically deficient in, our glucose metabolism isn't particularly effective and we start to get an insulin resistant picture. And this insulin resistant picture, i.e. insulin levels are going up, insulin's not doing its job as well, blood sugars are creeping up, that blood sugar has to go somewhere and it's generally stored as fat. And our poor brain and our, our cells are still waiting for their energy. They're like, okay, well, you're storing all this glucose as fat, but I'm still hungry. So our brain is telling our body, eat, you still need to eat. I don't have what I need yet. So we've got this prolonged hunger, this increase in appetite, and then this additional weight gain from our blood sugar increase, well, the the insulin resistant picture, which is frankly, really detrimental to us, uh, well, us as a population, but particularly to women's health, because it drives all sorts of issues. And one being hypertension, which is a major problem for a lot of ladies. How then do you feel about the concept of willpower, you know, perhaps in relation to weight loss, but also just motivation to go about our days? You know, why is no amount of positive affirmation going to help if our hormones are imbalanced? Yeah, that's a great question because it's there is an incredibly strong force going on within our body, and that is our body's absolute focus on survival. And there is no amount of willpower that will overcome your brain communicating with your body to say, I don't have what I need yet. I am hungry. I'm deficient in essential fatty acids. I'm not getting my amino acids. I'm depleted in all these nutrients and I'm going to make you eat. Now couple that with a dopamine seeking behavior. So when we're reliant on things like sugar and processed foods, this sends our dopamine systems into overdrive. And the higher a food spikes your dopamine levels, the more addictive that food is. So we're now looking at a coping mechanism. We're eating sugar to try and get us through the day because we're tired. That sugar sending our dopamine levels sky high, that lowering of dopamine, the depletion of dopamine in the brain is incredibly powerful in terms of the drive to get us to go back to the behavior that we were doing to raise our dopamine levels, whether that's alcohol, sugar, gambling, porn. Our brain does not like the sense of losing dopamine. So we have this kind of dual situation where we're we're using sugar as a coping mechanism, whether it's to get us through the day, whether it's for an emotional reason, whether it's because we we're struggling with boredom, loneliness. Um, we're pushing down certain emotions through changing our state and eating sugar. And that need for sugar, it's solidified in our brains through this, this dopamine spiking. And so when we're, we're using sugary foods and we're getting this dopamine spike, the brain is now wired to seek out more sugar. We're depleting magnesium and we are already likely deficient in certain nutrients like essential fatty acids and our brain is communicating with our gut via the vagus nerve looking for these key nutrients detecting them no they're not present 
okay, this is a matter of survival. I'm going to drive these cravings and no amount of that's it, I'm done, today's a new day, I'm quitting this, (laughs) will ever overcome that powerful drive unless we're giving the brain what it needs and we're normalizing and resensitizing the dopamine pathways. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is an absolutely pathological symbol of survival. And, and you know, I've, I've spoken to gastroenterologists about it and bariatric surgeons and all sorts who say that that, that hunger is completely immiscible. I mean, it, it, it is a, a, an emotion, a feeling that the brain will not let you ignore. And it's probably one of the strongest emotions that we can experience. Because as you say, it, it comes down to survival. It's our, in our brain telling our body that it needs to survive. And I think what you're saying then is that the modern world, you know, our current lifestyle is very often at odds with actually our nutritional and our physiological needs. Yeah, well, we, we are actually, we're drowning in dopamine in many ways. You know, we're not designed to have so <laughs> yeah. much dopamine. We get dopamine hits from our phones. We get dopamine hits from our food, from... Um, so do we cut from, back on the dopamine then? Yes. And, and actually, there's a lot of pleasure in stopping seeking pleasure and instead experiencing joy. And joy is something so, that we okay, get. Okay, so let me stop you there. Define the difference between pleasure and joy. So joy is a feeling that comes from an internal sense of feeling like we're completing a task, something that we're, we're it can actually, we can get joy from doing the most mundane, boring tasks, but it's it's a sense of purpose. It's a sense of growth and it's a sense of us doing something that's that's creating it's a, it brings serotonin. It's a serotonin building exercise. Now, pleasure is dopamine. Pleasure is external. It's bringing something in Uh and it's changing our state and it's buying a new bag. It's um, eating a delicious cream cake. It's, um, it, it's overstimulating our system through bringing in this external sense. Now, pleasure is fleeting. It will come, it will spike through our dopamine system and it will disappear. Joy is more long lasting and we can be, you know, in a challenging situation, but still experience joy. You can have the, the joy through it. And I think that's a very interesting way of framing it. And I think a lot of people will be helped by that if they just switch the notion of what they're seeking from pleasure to joy using that very simple definition. Absolutely. And, and, and as creatures, we are pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding creatures. And so we absolutely will do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. But because of the dopamine drowning situation we're in with the world, it's very easy for us to avoid pain through immersing ourselves in sugar or alcohol or drugs that change our state through behaviors that we really use to emotionally cope. And actually, if we can just sit with our pain for a moment and recognize that it's going to pass, that it's part of life, and there's some there's some growth that we can experience through feeling pain and making a decision based on, okay, I don't feel so great right now. I'm going to go for a walk and connect with nature, connect with myself through nature and allow myself to feel these emotions, but feel soothed by nature rather than I'm going to order a takeaway, have a bottle of wine and just feel good that way. <laughs> yeah, numb it. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I, I totally get that. And I, I actually did that very thing this morning. And I think, you know, it's pleasure through pain is is an interesting concept, isn't it? And I think, you know, do we need to acknowledge then that our emotions and our thought patterns actually play a role in how we eat then throughout the day? Oh, completely. Absolutely. I feel strongly that if we, our actions are very much governed by our physiology and our focus. So when we're focusing on something that's not so great, you know, we could have had 99 things that happened during our day that was fantastic. And we had one thing, someone said one thing and we didn't like it. And then we're (laughs) like, oh, that was rubbish. Mm, And and so that focus will then determine the physiology that we're experiencing, the the spike in adrenaline and cortisol and frustration. Totally. And then that physiology. disproportionate. Mm. Well, I think if we can override and be the parent to our brain, because that brain is a lizard brain. Our brain is seeking out 
danger. It's seeking out survival opportunities Mm -hmm. at all times. And we have to be willing to go, hold on a minute. This is just my lizard brain talking. Let's put that aside for a second. We have to direct it. it. Yeah, Yeah. we have to be the parent. And the the more times we make those smart decisions on behalf of our brain, because our brain's just trying to keep us alive. It's but it doesn't know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and our work colleagues saying, Well, your work sucked today. So, (laughs) you know, it's it's really important that we go, hold on a minute. Is this true? What is my brain going on about? You know what? I'm just going to go for a walk and go and go and look at the beautiful trees, the leaves, go connect with nature, come back. And I know I'm going to feel so much better. So it's it's making sure that we're disciplined in our thought patterns, which then has a huge influence in all the actions that we take that really help. To me, that's what true self-care is about. It's really about looking out for what your brain is telling you and questioning whether that's the truth or not. And in your book, you I was interested to read that you talk about the stress hormone cortisol and the way that actually can switch on fat storage. That's quite a shocker, isn't it, for anybody who's not heard that? Yes. Well, cortisol has a really profound impact on our thyroid function. So it's, with our thyroid, many of your listeners will probably know that you have thyroid stimulating hormone. Then you have T4. T4 converts to the active form T3. Now, T3, that conversion from T4 to T3 can be shunted across to something called reverse T3. Now, reverse T3 is your body's break. It's your body's way of saying, hold on a minute, you're not well, I'm going to slow everything down. I'm going to slow your metabolism down. I'm going to slow your energy down. It's a way of ensuring you go to bed and rest when you're not well. So when our body senses high levels of cortisol, it will start creating more reverse T3 from your thyroid hormones, which then slows your metabolic rate right down and encourages you to store energy. In other words, store fat. So that's just a you know self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it, really? You're just sort of completing the circle and, and you've got to get yourself out of that loop. Yeah, you've got to look at ways of understanding that cortisol is really beneficial. You want a nice big spike of cortisol in the morning to wake you up and get you going, but you don't want to be living in a state of high cortisol, which is, you know, a lot of us, especially especially women, we train ourselves to be on that go, go, go all the time. Always alert. Yeah, yeah always be, like, you know, oh, I'm spinning that. 14 plates. Yeah, Whereas we need to allow, drop. yeah, we need to, we need to let go of the stuff that, does this really matter? Is it worth burning myself out for? And, you know, let, let's just bring that down and look at, and there are some great adaptogens that can really help shift you out of fight or flight. Which are your favourites? I like ashwagandha. I think mm, ashwagandha is a really nice um, bedtime adaptogen. It can give us a little spike in testosterone as well. So I'm I'm a fan of using that at night. You can use rhodiola in the morning because you get different adaptogens. Um, ashwagandha is great for feeling tired and wired, whereas rhodiola is better if you're tired and tired. So... If you're feeling like you need a little bit of a boost, but you're tired, you don't want to be taking rhodiola at night. Whereas taking rhodiola in the morning, it will just give you a a little burst of energy, but it also helps to calm the nervous system. So there are some really great adaptogens. But again, just going back to those simple things, when we walk in the morning, if you have that forward motion, that forward propulsion, either cycling or jogging or walking, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is the fear center. And that forward motion past the eyes, it calms the amygdala. So it reduces fear, but it actually heightens alertness as well. So you're going to get a really similar effect in the morning by going for a nice walk, looking out in front of you towards the horizon and allowing your brain to become alert, but calm and settled at the same time. That is so fascinating. I've never heard that. And I guess thinking about that logically, that's it's the forward motion, isn't it? Yes. That that you're you're telling your brain this is a safe space. I can actually physically move forward. I can walk through this area. And that in itself is is calming and motivating. 
I shall I shall remember that as I go out for my early morning stroll. So we should be walking forwards always and never backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, we don't get it on a train or in a car. It, it seems oh, really to be, you've actually got to be physically doing it. You have to be physically moving oh, okay. your body in order to experience that um, mm. that calming effect on the amygdala. So interesting. Yeah. What role does planning our meals play? in taking the emotion out of eating. You know, we talk about changing structures and and having our day set up in in the best way to succeed. You know, presumably having a bit of structure will help us to make better choices. Yeah, I think planning your day, setting yourself up for success is really important for people, particularly people who have issues around food. So sugar addiction and challenges with using up food as an emotional crux. So I would always say to them, just get it out the house, don't have it in the house and always have some go-to, an empowering alternative in your like fridge. What? In your Well, I always have boiled eggs in my fridge. Oh, always. so do I. Oh my gosh, they are my just a savior. My about that. I know, aren't they? They're brilliant. They just, a, a bit of salt yeah. with a boiled egg totally. is yep, completely, got it. <laughs> it's going to satiate you, it's satisfying, mm-hmm. it's delicious. So yeah. um, those empowering alternatives like, you know, the boiled eggs in the fridge, having some low carb crackers. I'm a big fan of CD fiber rich crackers, having Mm -hmm. some, a little bit of goat's cheese or feta nuts. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. depends where you're at on the spectrum. You know, if you're someone who's going for the Maltesers and the cream eggs, then having some dark chocolate in the fridge is a huge step forward. Having a 75, 80% where you're, you're training your palate to enjoy the less sweet, but more um, flavorsome chocolate. And again, what you're doing is you're resensitizing your dopamine by doing that. So having these empowering alternatives is the most effective way of changing a habit and creating lasting change. That's so interesting. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about sugar and its effect on hormones. And I know that realizing that you were a sugar addict was a big turning point in your own life, wasn't it? I loved Percy Pigs. I loved biscuits. No way. Oh really? my goodness. Yeah, That's Percy, hard to believe, to be honest. It, I know, it really is. But I, I would drive, to, I would go to Marks and Spencer's and then I would have the bag in the back seat so I couldn't get to them driving. And I'd find my arm wandering back to feel where that packet <laughs> okay, of Percy that's Pigs an addiction. was. Yeah, I really, but yeah. I relied on this sugar because I, A, I was fairly unhappy with where I was at in life and B, I felt like I couldn't go without the sugar because as soon as my sugar, my blood sugar started to dip, I got that hangry, that need, that low blood sugar, head spinning, dizziness, and I could just scoff. I mean, I would really want to just mm-hmm. get these Percy Pigs into me as quickly as I could <laughs> to get that hedonistic feeling. And did you feel good afterwards or not? No, I felt awful. I felt shameful. Yes. I felt guilty. I felt like a failure. I mm. felt really, I, I really felt, shame is a really um, soul-destroying emotion. It destroys your self-confidence. One. I it, agree it, with you. It yeah. totally makes you feel like mm-hmm. it, it, it hits at your worthiness. And so I would feel awful because I knew that this was not a healthy behavior but I also felt compelled to keep doing it. And so it was one of my driving forces for helping other women and and not just women, other individuals, but helping people to recognize that it's not you. It really isn't, it's your biochemistry Mm. and you're fighting really powerful forces. And there is so much freedom when you are able to move away from that behavior and, and feel like you can make friends with your body again and feel like you can embrace yourself, like hold your hold your own hand to go, okay, we're doing this together this time. I'm not fighting you. I'm not gonna feel shameful and guilty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been so unkind to you. Let's do this together. And that was a big turning point for me, Liz. I mean, it really was. It, it, it just changed me as a person. I have to say, Pauline, that is such a positive and powerful note to end on. I think there's been so much here that is hugely helpful, and not least the fact that we can reframe how we think about all these things and make these really simple changes and be aware of what's happening. I think, you know, awareness is always the first step, isn't it? And I'm very, very grateful that you've spent some time with us today. Huge good luck with the book. I think it's an absolutely brilliant read and I'm sure lots of people will enjoy it too. 
Thank you so much, Liz. Well, Pauline, I will certainly be thinking even more about the carb and sugar content of what to eat when I'm food shopping and eating, of course, from now on. Thank you so much for your time. Well, on the subject of food and hormones, I've had this anonymous message from a lovely listener after hearing the episode on bone health with Dr. Laura Flexer and Dr. Kuki Avery. She says, thank you for your podcast episode on anorexia and oestrogen. It's not spoken about. And as someone who is 32, suffering from chronic anorexia since 18, and now with osteoporosis, I am definitely going to discuss transdermal oestrogen with my doctor. Scary, really, as I think of young girls and really want to snap them out of it as it has ruined my life. When you're young, you don't think about fractures or even having kids. So thank you. Well, it's always brilliant to hear from you. So do please get in touch at Lizelle Me or at Lizelle Wellbeing on social media. And I always love reading your reviews on whatever podcast platform you like listening to. So do please leave us one. And remember, by the way, that if you'd prefer listening to the show ad free, you can now subscribe to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show Plus, and that's on Apple Podcasts, for a small monthly fee. And once you're a subscriber, you also get 24 hour early access to those ad free episodes episodes too. Okay, until the next time then, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.